How many people in this room are praying over your finances? Let me see your hands. How many people are releasing the wisdom of God for finances? Let me see your hands. It's the wisdom of God that will unlock all of these things that we're talking about. But God will not be without a prompt to do and cheerful giver. Do you know that the heartfelt prayers of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its workings? What we saw this morning in the first hour of this service was a tremendous demonstration of hearts on fire for the Father. To see Jesus crowned as King and to see the Spirit of God move and facilitate change in people's lives. When Jesus left the earth, he left it in a way that all was well for the Spirit to come. The Spirit came and empowered you and gave you the ability to become the sons of God through salvation. As the sons and daughters of God, we have an inheritance. I want you to say that. I have an inheritance. That means if the lights are out in other people's homes, the lights will never be out. That means if a car has no gas in another person's home, my car will always have gas. That means if there's food shortages in other people's pantries, my pantry will be full. How many people believe this today? Not just full so that I can squander it on myself, but full so that I can take as a sign and a wonder to the unbeliever next door and say, my God supplies all my needs. Yes. Not just so that I can eat, but so that my neighborhood can eat. I said to somebody this week, if the ravens have to come and feed you, that's the stance you take. Now you didn't hear what I just said. If you're so far down, if the ravens have to come and feed you, let them come. I said, let them come. Praise God, because God is the master at bringing us manna. And he's the master at bringing us quail and chicken and turkey and steak. Somebody could come and drop off a deer at your front porch. How many people would receive that right there? No. <laughs> Paul Gomez, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> Pastor Karen said, I'd sell it. <laughs> she would sit and eat, <laughs> she'd, sit and eat she'd sit and eat her, uh, what do you call them, Brussels sprouts, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. For the Lord is good. I said, for the Lord is good. Did we pass the buckets yet this morning? We did, praise the Lord. They were waiting on me and they left already. We called them blessed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I was over there thinking about steak. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise the Lord. Glory to God. 
He said he'll never see the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. Now, I'm just going to stay in the Lord here just for a minute or two. He will never see the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. Hallelujah. He will never see the righteous forsaken. 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 And even if your bank account's full right now, it's going to fill up more and more and more and more and more because you're going to have more to give than what you've ever had before. It's not about what you have given. It's about what you're about to give. Glory to God. That which you've already given is coming back to you as a harvest so that you have more seeds. Shout it out, more seed. So he'll never see the righteous forsaken. I said, he'll never see the righteous forsaken. Man, this is a boring meeting. No, 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 this is a powerful meeting. He'll never see the righteous forsaken. I said, he'll never see the righteous forsaken. He'll never see the righteous forsaken. Woo, he'll never see the righteous forsaken. Come on, the youngest to the oldest, he'll never see the righteous forsaken. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't seen nothing yet. He'll never see the righteous forsaken. He will never see the righteous forsaken. He will never see the righteous forsaken. Hallelujah, I'm with you. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. God is for me. Who can be against me? Amen. I bind the spirit of poverty off my house. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over lack and insufficiency. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Are you in this room? I don't care how much you've got in the bank. You need more. I say it again. I don't care how much you have. You need more. This end time move of God is going to cost billions of dollars. And I want you to lift your hand and say, I have it in the name of Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. I have it. I take it. It's mine. Even if you were to sell all you have, you don't still, you don't still have enough. I remember Brother Copeland saying that years ago. You can sell all you have and you'll still be broke. Because it's the spirit of faith that's going to release what I'm talking about. I said it's the spirit of faith that is going to change. It's not about selling your, your cupboard and selling your bike and selling this and selling that so that you can pay off a few bills. I'm telling you, what are you going to do when you have sold everything? The Lord tells you to sell something, sell it. Absolutely. I always say this. If you have two of something, it, the second one belongs to someone else. Or turn it into cash. How many people have ever bought something that you really didn't need? Let me see your hands. Wave at me right now. How many people have ever been hoodwinked by the great skills of the salesman and you bought something that you did not need? Wave at me right now. Take it and sell it. If you were to sell all the stuff you don't use in your garage and your roof space, your attic, 
I believe there would be tens of thousands of dollars that would come into the kingdom of God. If you just sold what you do not need, not because you need to get out of debt, but you just sold it because it's lying around collecting dust. I believe you'd make thousands, and thousands would come into the kingdom of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you might need to clear out your attic. Hallelujah. Money's up in there. Praise God. I said money's up in there. Praise the Lord. I want you to go, please, to Acts 12, verse 1. I'm not going to keep you long this morning, but I want to give you what the Spirit of the Lord has been working with me on. Are you glad you came to church? Man, he's on it today. You have no idea how on it I am because you are going to make it. I said you are going to make it. And even if you have money, you're going to be a money person with joy. Not sitting there miserable. You're going to be full of joy. And if you have no money, you're still going to be full of joy. And you're going to laugh the money into the bank. Look at your neighbor and go, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. I know some of you are like, praise God, get this service over. But I'm telling you, this is the people's move. And I believe that you're supposed to be wealthy. You're supposed to be healthy. You're supposed to be a testimony to the world. Amen. Shut it out again. My lights are staying on. Gas is always going to be in my car. I'm always going to have enough. Needing no aid or support. That's what Scripture says. I've been taking authority over things more and more and more as the weeks fly by. I've been binding. As I said last week, I believe we're in days of awakening. I've been binding, loosen, working with the Spirit, taking authority over things that want to just upset people's lives. I want to title this, when people pray, change happens. I'm going to say that one more time. When people pray, change happens. I'm sure you can point to a time in your life where the last thing you did was pray. The last thing you did was pray. After you had talked to everyone about the situation, after you had tried to sort it yourself, do you know that even if you have money to sort a bill or to do whatever, you are supposed to still pray? God has wisdom on how we should do things. John Henry Jovett said this, It is the field of prayer that life's critical battles are lost or won. We must conquer all our circumstances there. We must first of all bring them there. We must survey them there. We must master them there. In prayer, we bring our spiritual enemies into the presence of God, and we fight them there. Have you tried that? Or have you been satisfied to meet and fight your foes in the open spaces of this world? In 2015, I brought a message from the Lord to this church and to all that would listen to me. The message was regarding Nehemiah, and it was this. I will not come off the wall, for I am doing a great work. You can read it starting in Nehemiah chapter 2, 
Take a look at a few scriptures, Nehemiah 4, get up into Nehemiah 6. But you will see that what the enemy was trying to do was to bait Nehemiah with distractions, the likes, to stop him from finishing what it was that God had anointed Nehemiah to do. The devil always wants to come through people. Don't be worried about, even if you have a vision at the end of your bed and the devil appears to you, don't be afraid of that. Be like Lester Sumrall when the devil came and moved his furniture around in his bedroom. And he woke up and he told the devil, put it back where it was. And the devil put the furniture back exactly where it was. Ghosts are not what you should be afraid of. <laughs> what you should be concerned about is the devil working through people. Because that is where you will either sink or swim, win or lose. See, it seems that God can do nothing unless he has someone to use. It seems that the devil can do nothing unless he has someone to use. And I've learned over all these years is the devil in my life is not interested in using someone down the pub to hurt me. What the enemy's interested in is using a believer to do the damage. Look at Janeiro and say, no damage here. That was wonderful. Say it again. No damage here. I'm talking about in your marriages, in your families, even with your children. We must be sensitive to how the enemy wants to bring upset very close in at times. How many people in this room has been offended before you ever left the house? Put your hand way up. And it's only you that's living there. It's amazing at times. I, I, you know, Karen and myself, we've been married now coming 32 years. And I have bound the devil out of her more than I could ever. <laughs> and she has, she has told the devil to leave our house many times, and she was speaking to me. How many other people have had those experiences in your lifetime where you're rebuking the devil and it's actually coming through your loved one? You say, well, oh no, not in our house. Well, I'd love to come to your house. And I'd love to see just how squeaky it really is. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Satan is a deceiver. He is a seducer. And he wants to work through your closest. Bind him. Loose those who live with you to the leading of the Spirit of God. Satan is on the rampage, but I tell you, it is nothing to the movement that is rising now called the move of Christ. These are the days of the saints, ladies and gentlemen. This is when we get to stand up and say, Woo! Jesus, have your way by the power of your Spirit.
People over the years have called me radical, fanatical. I'm guilty. Amen. I've apologized through the years for being not satisfied with good services. But yet good services are hanging like grapes all over trees, all over vines. And yet lives are not being changed. But lives, your lives, must change so that you can be all that you are destined to be. Prayer does this. In Acts 12, verse 1, I want us to read, please. Here comes a time where James had just been killed. The church were highly motivated to pray because of what was going on, I believe. How many people know that some things happen in our lives negatively, it actually helps motivate us to pray fervently. <laughs> it's went quiet in here. God did not allow it, but it amazes me how persecution can actually rump some things up in people. And you say, I'm not suffering this a minute longer. James had been taken out. It was now Herod's uh, desire to take out Peter. This would have been a prize. Would have been a true trophy. But the church got together and they started to pray. And they prayed in such a way that they brought heaven right smack bang into the middle of that situation and upset the devil's plans and gave Herod a breakdown. Can I have a big amen? I want you to shut it out. I'm about to give the devil a breakdown. Oh, say it like you mean it. I'm about to give the devil a breakdown. And th that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to afflict and oppress and torment some who belonged to the church assembly. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it was pleasing to the Jews, he proceeded further and arrested Peter. He had a plan to do likewise to Peter. And when he had seized Peter, he put him in the prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers, of four each to guard him, purposing after Passover to bring him forth to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by the church assembly. I'd like to, to underline that in your Bible or highlight that because this is where I believe the church is coming into. Yes, as millennial, as, as other works are associated with us, other ministers, I believe this is a step up. I believe this is a word from the Lord. Nehemiah was one of these figures that when he was told by God to do something, he ensured that it was going to be done exactly as God has said it would be done. When Sanballat and Tobias came and tried to bait Nebuchadnezzar, like devils want to come and bait you. They want to show you this and show you that and want to get you into unfamiliar territory. This is not a day for the church to be in unfamiliar territory. This is the day to stick with what we know. To stick with territory that we know. Take the ground, take the land, yes, but at the leading of the Lord, not at the baiting of Satan. Satan's always trying to get us into unfamiliar places. Sambalat and Tobias and Nehemiah 6 
were, being, were baiting Nehemiah and saying, come on over here to the plain of Ono so that we can discuss this. How many people knows over this last several years, I have taught you that you should never find yourself in a place of oh no. How many people knows at least one person that's had an oh no over the last five years? Because our actions will produce what is God and what is not. We just have to agree with what is God. No matter how good the opportunity or the baiting of the enemy, stay where God has told you to stay. No matter what you feel and emotionally you feel, our family's in Ireland. My, my, my niece has just had another child. The whole family is growing over there. And here we are, the five of us over here. Emotionally, you can get up and say, you know, we want to be together. But yet, my family know that it is better for me to be in the plan of God than for me to be sitting hugging their necks. This is the rubber meeting the road, ladies and gentlemen. In this city, in this city, I would walk about and I would hear things go home to Ireland. And emotionally, I, 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 I remember Philip Renner coming to me and saying, Pastor, I've been hearing these voices go back to Russia, go back to Russia. And I said, let me help you, Philip. These voices are sent to derail you. What did God say? God said, go to America. Then, then you must stay on that word. God does not lead you around with a ring in your nose. He is not the God of tease and temptation. He is the God of manifestation. And sometimes you just have to stay in, right? You just got to stay in as long as you can stay in. And settle your emotions and settle this and settle that. And hold on to the word that God gave you. What did God say? I've had to revisit, and I know some of you are shocked by this, but I've had to revisit over and over and over again what God said. How many people have ever had to do that in your life? Why? Because that is what is final authority. Regardless of how I feel in the moment, well, this person come against me, and I don't feel like I'm, I have a place, or I don't feel like I'm supposed to be in this business anymore. Let me tell you, it's nothing to do with feelings. I'm looking towards the back now. It's nothing to do with feelings. It's to do with the leading of the Spirit of God. I want you to shout it out. God said... I move on what God says. I move on what God says. I, I operate on what God says. Regardless of how I feel emotionally, regardless of how I feel opportunity, no matter what people offer me, they could offer you half a million and you could be out of the plan of God. Why? Because Satan will try to buy your birthright from you. And very quiet in here. Satan will try to buy 
your birthright from you. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's not up for sale. Oh, come on. How many people give me five more minutes? Let me see your hands. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. We've got at least another three hours to go. We'll be... Shut it out. I will not be baited. I'm standing on the wall. Of course, the Lord then paralleled that with Ephesians 2, our seat in Christ. The Lord administered me and said, you must not come out of your seat no matter what. No matter what. 2015, ladies and gentlemen, then comes the elections. Now we're into wrecking ball stage. We're into all of these different things. Then we come up into the end of what? Into 19, now we have COVID. Everything is changing. The changing, everything is changing. The world is being shut down. You know what I was telling everybody the testimony uh, the other day? Is that my wife flew around the world when the world was shut down. She flew on airplanes with staff. Big transatlantic liners. And there was about 22 people on there, and most of them were staff. You know how God did that? Because he gave us two passports. And because we had two passports, we could travel like the world was open. You know what the Lord told me years and years and years ago? In the end of days, it will behoove you to have more than one passport so that you can move with freedom. During COVID, my wife flew through the air back and forward to see the family. No, you didn't hear what I said. I want you to shout it out. God makes a way where there seems to be. Oh, God is so maniac. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Look at this in verse 3. And when he saw that it was pleasing to the Jews, he proceeded further and arrested Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. Verse 4. And when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison. This is so important. He delivered him to four squads of soldiers, of four each to guard him, purposing after the Passover to bring him forth to the people. Verse 5. You've underlined it. You've highlighted it in your device. So Peter was kept in prison, but fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by the church assembly. The very night before Herod was about to bring him forth, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, fastened with chains, and centuries before the doors were guarding the prison. Verse 7, everybody say, suddenly. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, standing beside him, and a light shone in the place where he was. And the angel gently smote Peter on the side and awakened him and said, Get up quickly, and the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Tighten your belt and bind on your sandals. And he did so, and he said to him, Wrap your outer garment around you and follow me. And Peter went out along following him, and he was not conscious that it was partly being done by the angel, but the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed through the first guard, and the second they came to the iron gate, which leads into the city, of its own accord the gate swung open. They went out and passed on through one street, and at once the angel left him. Then Peter came to him and said, Now, I really know. Everybody say that with me. Now, I really know. How many people believe you're going to have a now, I really know experience? Come on, say it. Now, I really know. There's some of you believing for the impossible. Now, 
I really know. This is going to boost our confidence because we're going to have now, I really know. But how did this now, I really know come about? It didn't come about just because God sent an angel. It came about by unceasing prayer. Everybody say that with me, unceasing prayer. Now, and this is going to mess with some of your faith confessions right now, because some of you just, you know what, I call forth money, and that's all the prayer that you do. But to manifest heaven, it says that you might have to move into an unceasing mode. They got an angel of deliverance to manifest in the cell of Peter. Took him off death row. Took him off death row, ladies and gentlemen. He wasn't in there for a picnic. He was on death row. And the church in prayer got an angel into the inner jail where all the guards and soldiers and sentries and everybody was. An angel manifested right in the middle of the jail. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, your problem is no problem at all. Come on, say it like you mean it. Your problem is no problem at all. Because if the church then can get an angel into the midst of a cell, what can we do in our day? I don't believe this was just, you know, this was just God showing off in the early church. I believe this was the operations of the church saying, you might have had James, but you're not getting Peter. In other words, they might have touched such and such, but they're not touching you. They might have hit another family, but they're not hitting you. Another family might have had something negative happening, but it's not happening to you. Why? Because of unceasing prayer. In our house, we have conversations. I'm sure you do too. If we see that something is not turning or budging, With what we're doing, we will always say to each other, have we prayed truly enough about this? It's not the fancy footwork. It's not just, you know, just wisdom on its own. It's prayer undergirding it. I wish I could say that the confession of your faith was like magic. And that you can confess long enough that something will manifest. It's not alakazam or abracadabra. Boom, I've confessed 50 times that my car will come and here it is. That is not confession. Been quiet in here. I want you to shut it out. I'm in days of manifestation. Come on, I'm in days of manifestation. I mean, if you've been trying to get the job and the job keeps moving away from you. It's not your job. Realize it. God is trying to shout it from the rooftops, wrong direction. But you can keep going at it and take you and your whole family into the permissive will of God. And there you will have to fight off demons that you never thought you would ever have to fight. You think you're fighting them now? You're only fighting them to stay in the plan of God. You don't want to be out of the plan of God and have to fight out there. 
Shut it up. I'm staying in the plan of God. Oh, God, I'm working this morning. I mean, I know you've all got nice, pressy little lives, and everybody's good, and everything's just wonderful, and you come to church like this, and pastor's up there, and he's like, and he's just barking like a dog every, every service, and, and it's like, my God, I mean, when will the mind ever let up? Never. I will never let up. Why? Because no devil is going to take you to Lodi Bar. No devil is going to take you to a place of depression, of sickness, disease, and infirmity. You're coming up. Shut it up. I'm coming up. While somebody dropped me. They dropped Mephibosheth too. But God saw that Mephibosheth was, Mephibosheth was dropped. He saw that he was lame. Do you know the, 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 the lame man at the beautiful gate? I don't believe that he arrived when Jesus died. He was just put there automatically after Jesus left so that it could be a win-win for Peter and John. I believe he was there even when Jesus was walking by. But there's been many times Jesus has walked by you. But I'm telling you, there's a Peter and John coming. <laughs> oh, you never heard that. There's a, someone coming. Shut it out. There's someone coming that is filled with God, full of God. They're going to have a word for me. And that word is not going to keep me bound. That word is going to set me free. Shut it out. I receive a word. That sets, that sets me free. Thank you, Lord. Verse 7 it says, And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared standing beside him, and a light shone in the place where he was. And the angel gently smote Peter on the side and awakened him and said, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. My God, supernatural intervention. He said, Pastor, I've heard you preach on this. No, no, you haven't. You haven't heard me preach on this like this. Because every time God has me preach on this, it's new. It's fresh. And what he's wanting us to do is to move from bondage to freedom. There's some people, you've worshipped playing in your house. I tell you, week in, week out, and you're as bound as bound. Stand up to it. Tell the devil to get out of your house. Start the day. And the angel said to him, tighten your belt and bind on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your outer garment around you and follow me. And Peter went out along following him. And he was not conscious that was apparently being done by the angel was real. It's amazing. I believe that the church ramped it up because of what was happening. I came to tell you today, it's time to ramp it up. Yes. How many people receive that word? It's time to ramp it up. If you think in your life what you're getting done by the little bit of prayer that you're actually doing, what could you not accomplish if you stepped it up? I mean, if you're having the results with just a little bit of prayer, what type of results would you get if you gave yourself to hours of prayer? Come on, be honest with me right now. How many people knows that you could step it up just a little bit? Let me see your hands. You say it's works, Pastor Paul. It's not works. That is what religion wants to tell you. I want to go to church that's free, free and free in the Holy Ghost and free. And I tell you, yes. And you know what? So many of those people are into themselves. 
They don't want to be told anything. They don't want to be told anything. They just want to be loosey-goosies. Just living life to the, to the tone of their own heart. I'm so free. You know, when you find somebody that's interested in you more than they are themselves, you need to hold on to that person. Because most that you'll find are meant to themselves more than they're into you. When you find someone in life that is into others more than what they are into themselves, you find someone that you do not want to let go of. Because they will help you get to where you can't get on your own. Pray in the Spirit with me right there. I sense the Spirit. God's screwing our heads on right. Thank you, guys. God's screwing our heads on right. He's causing us to see with eyes, eyes, eyes that are open to see correctly and accurately even the motives and the intentions of people's hearts and lives. God will accurately help you navigate the motives of those around you. So, Pastor, what are you doing? I'm setting you up for victory. I'm setting you up for more than a conqueror. I'm setting you up so that you are constantly the head and not the tail. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, prayer can never be an excess. Some things that happened because of simple, fervent prayer. Look at this. Because the church prayed. They produced an angel of deliverance. I want you to lift your hand and say, I'll receive that. They produced a great light. Lift your hand and say, I'll take that too. They, they, they produced a tangible touch and experience of an angel. The early church prayed in such a way that they were able to get shackles off a man and they weren't even near him. No physical man could get into him. They couldn't storm that jail, the early church, with their pitchforks. The only way that they could get in there was supernaturally. I declare over you that you're about to do something supernatural. <laughs> I'm going to try that again. You're about to do some things supernaturally. Because you're not going to just pray your little prayers anymore. Lord, I just ask you to bless Pastor Paul. Touch him. This was not this type of prayer. Say, for instance, I was up here in a straitjacket. The devil had bound me. Say there were all of these sentries of soldiers around me. Some of you love me enough that you would charge them. You would actually maybe, you know, take your gun out and shoot them. <laughs> then we would all be in the, the news. <laughs> For all the wrong reasons. Parishioners shoot people that were binding Pastor Paul. 
It's a great headline. But God wants to send angels on assignment. God wants to send angels on assignment. God wants to stir up the prayers of the saints so that angels are working and moving and operating and doing what you can't do physically because what is impossible with man is possible with God. There are impossible situations that we all are facing and it's going to be unceasing prayer that is going to bring the hand and the mighty move of God into your situation and my situation. Can I ask you a question? Are you giving yourself to the process of prayer or has it become just mechanical are you just praying Lord bless them bless this bless that bless the dog bless the cat now I lay me down to sleep no or are you taking up with the Lord and saying you know what you you devil have touched my home no 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 you've touched my family enough in the name of Jesus I want you to shout it out no weapon formed against me Oh, come on, help me right now. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. In every tongue that rises against me, I will show to be in the wrong. What can man do to me? If God is for me, who can be against me? Come on. Oh, they may fall. Come on, a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it cannot come near me. Shut it out. Prayer changes everything. Brother, have you prayed about your business unceasing? I know your fingers are raw. But sister, have you prayed about your business unceasing? Ministers, families, have you prayed unceasing? Because this tells us without a shadow of a doubt, that unceasing prayer causes heaven to manifest. I want you to say that with me. Unceasing prayer causes heaven to manifest. How many people will receive this today? Let me see your hands. How many people believe it's accurate because the scriptures are telling us and pointing to it? How many many people would say honestly that you may have to step it up just a, a little bit? Paul, why do you pray in the Spirit so much? Because I don't know what all to say. And I learned in Romans 8, 26. And I I don't know how to pray worthily as I ought. The Spirit will come to my aid and help me pray with yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. Guys, you say, I want to help Pastor Paul. Help me pray. Help me pray. Be at the prayer meetings. Come Tuesday nights. Come to pre-service prayer. Pray through the services. Come on. How many people know that there's people sitting around you right now that needs to be free? It's the truth. Your family members that need to be free. Nehemiah was told by the Spirit, don't come off the wall. Paul Brady was told in 2015 that no matter what comes, don't come off the wall. If you'd have told me 
that all these things over this last few years would have happened, I would have said, well, it could. But God hasn't shown me anything of that. But I know that you can go through prophecy after prophecy and word after word and encouragement after encouragement that are out there. I have them charting the course. They are all notated and transcribed. And you can find through them the threads of God speaking of what was coming in our prayer meetings. God positioning us, God positioning you so that you would be victorious. It's time to put the God back in the storm. It's time for God and the church to become the storm. It's time for us to become the wind. It's time for us to take back control. It's time for us to be proactive instead of always having to mop up the enemy's mess. I'm not here to mop up the messes of the devil's work in your life. As much as I love to pastor, I'm here to ensure that we have less and less messes. How many people receive that? Less and less messes.